You've tuned into a mega church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Uh, last week, what did we discuss? Or what was the theme of our message? Conquering faith. How to have a conquering faith. And um, some of you have missed it. It's available on our podcast, six different platforms, Google, Apple, anywhere you can go. Type Omega Church, NZ, and you can hear the message. So today, what I want to discuss or bring to your attention is, we all have faith. There's no one who can say, I don't have faith. We all have faith. Otherwise, you won't be sitting here. But sometimes, you think that the faith is not sustaining you. Sometimes, you think that that faith is not enough or it's somehow it's letting you down and you have no answers to many things that you're going through in life. So what this morning I want to help is uh, how to resolve this problem of this faith and how to know whether we are having wrong beliefs that are clashing with our faith and how to identify and come out of the situation so you become more stronger in faith. Here you see in the Psalm 13, the psalmist had a, a problem. He is assuming that God has forgotten him. How many of us think that God has forgotten us? Do you ever, have you ever thought God forgot me? Let's be honest. Let's put up our hand. <laughs> yeah. But that is a wrong belief. That's a wrong belief that some psalmist has. The King David is thinking, how long, O oh Lord, will you, forget me for, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He thinks God is hiding his face from him. This is how we sometimes feel. How long must I take counsel in my soul? That is, how long should I talk to myself? How long should I keep considering what is happening in my life? How long should I be uh, trying to uh, resolve what is going in my mind? And have sorrow in my heart all day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The enemy here mostly, you know, it's Saul, King Saul. When I sat down and tried to understand how many years he must be running from Saul, at least six to eight years he was running from Saul. And he got two times opportunity to kill Saul. But he said, I will not raise my hand against the anointed. And yet, even though he was trying not to kill the king, though he got the opportunity two times, is his problem gone away? No. He's being chased day after day after day. He was running from place to place, from hill to the cave, to the field, uh, to the forest. Everyone was running for his life for six to eight years. And this is his testimony. How long shall any be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. What he means is, one day I'm going to sleep and never wake up in the morning. Is your problem so big? Are you weighed down your problem in so, so enormous problem that you think, tonight I'm going to sleep, but tomorrow morning I'm not going to wake up? Is the problem so big? Has God forgotten you? He says, 
lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my force rejoice because I'm shaken. Are you shaken? Is your face shaken in this God? So I'm not going to expound Psalm 13 today. That's not my purpose at all. But today it is more like a motivational speech. I, it is not what I usually do. You know all of me. I don't do that motivational speech. But today I just want to do some of that. But the problem is when King David understood that he is holding on to a wrong belief that is pulling him downward every day. It's pulling him downward every day. So he realized in, in verse 5 and 6, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That means when he, de- when he understood that his belief system is what is pulling him down, he resolved it by praising God willfully. Willfully, he said, I will praise God. Why will I praise God? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. Not, not uh, sparingly, but bountifully. So wh- how does he know it? He's looking back into his life. How much God blessed him. How much God blessed him. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. There's a song that goes like that. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. You will be strengthened. You'll be encouraged. Why? Because that is how you strengthen yourself when you think God has forgotten, when you think God is hiding his face. So the wrong belief has to be corrected by a right belief that this God is a God who does not sleep, not slumber, and he is one who is awake, and he is interested in you. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you. Your Christian walk is a direct result of what you believe. The question is, what do you believe? That is what we need to discover this morning. What do you believe about yourself? If your faith is off, your walk will be off. If your walk is off, you need to take a good look at what you believe. If your faith is shaken, you need to look at what you believe. You need to check what you're believing. The longer you persist in a faulty belief system, the less fulfilling and productive your daily walk of faith will be. Now, when it comes to evaluating one's own life, we have some things we believe. And we are acting on those beliefs consciously, unconsciously, subconsciously. You're acting on those beliefs. And that is what is putting you in a place where you are. What are those things that you, the values that you have? The values, you can have many, many values. In, uh, many people can have many values, basically. I'll just give a small list. People value and pursue authenticity, adventure, balance, bravery, compassion, challenge, citizenship, community, creativity, curiosity, determination, fairness, freedom, friendship, fun, generosity, The list goes on and on. So many things you can pursue. But some are very, very basic. Very, very basic. So one uh, author by name Neil Anderson, he he talks about eight things that we are pursuing consciously or unconsciously. And many times we will be using the phraseology, I would be more happy if only. I will be more happy if only, that is where how the problem starts. What is that you are saying in your heart? 
I will be only happy if only. If that happens, I'm going to be happy. When I'm speaking, you will know that light bulb goes in your mind instantly. And keep, that, keep track of what you're thinking in your mind as I'm speaking. Another one will be, I would be more successful if. How do you measure your success? How do you measure your success in life? If only I do this, I'm going to be more successful. If only I possess this, I'm going to be more successful. So what is it that is going to give you that worth, sense of worth in your life about your success? About significance. Many of us want to be noticed. Many of us want to be counted as something, reckoned as of some value, some purpose, something. I would be more significant if important enough to have an effect or to be noticed. I would be more fulfilled if. I'll be more satisfied if only I have this. What is it that you are chasing? What is it that you is going to make you fulfilled? And what is it? I would be more satisfied if. What does the word satisfied mean to you? What is it you are looking for that then you can say, I will be satisfied? You know, some people long for certain foods. If only, if you ask any Indian man, what is the food you would like to or enjoy most? Recently I heard there's a, um, uh, there is a Swiggy, uh, uh, a company that delivers food. Uh, you, you place an order, they bring it and deliver it to your home. 7.6 crores, that is about 76 million people have ordered biryani in India in one year. That's the most ordered item. So you may be thinking, if only I can eat the best biryani, I'll be fulfilled. I'll be happy. <laughs> you know, that is how you, you will know what you're chasing in your life, satisfied. I'll be more happier if. What is it that you're looking for that will make you happy? I would have more fun if. What is that thing that you're, that's going to make you have that more fun in life? I would be more secure if. Security, you know, is more, it is, it is for both men and women. We need security in life. So what are you looking for? Where are you looking for your security? I would have more peace if. What is it you are looking for? This thing is gone, then I am going to have more peace. These are the eight different things that we are chasing up. If your success, the whole thing is, you can have all these things. There's nothing wrong with it. You can pursue them, nothing wrong with it. But the problem comes when you do not realize it. When you are not able to reach it, when you are not able to get it, that's the time you will crumble down in your life. So what will help you and me to sort out in our life is understanding the difference between what a goal is and what a desire is. Every, everybody say goal and desire. Let's say I want to lose weight. Okay? I want to knock down a few kilos of my body weight. Is it a good or bad desire? I'm sure everybody will agree. <laughs> it's good. Because there's a healthy weight, there's an unhealthy weight. If you're too low, not good. Too extra weight is not good. According to your height, according to your age, there's a certain kilos, which is ideal. So you pursue that weight. So let's say I want to um, 
uh, have this goal of knocking off some kilos. Good. That's my goal. Who will help me to achieve it? Myself. Isn't it? Can other people contribute to it in any way? No. It is entirely in my strength to control what I eat. If I say, no, I want to have KFC, I want to have McDonald's, I want to have Burger King, I want to have this and that, uh, Velvet Burger and different kinds of food, which are very tasty foods but not healthy, I am not going to contribute to my goal. So the goal and the practice is clashing. So that's where we need to understand the difference between a goal and a desire. Goal is within your control. But the desire is not in your control. You can desire, like I can desire Omega Church to be an evangelizing church. Okay? It's my desire. If I say Omega Church will be, uh, my goal is that Omega will be evangelizing church, that can be squashed anytime by anybody. Any one of your members who don't want to evangelize, my goal will be broken down. I'll be a failure. So it is good for me not to have a goal like that, which is depending on every one of us here. I'm not excluding myself. Goal has to be in my control. But when I say the church has to be evangelizing church, it should be a desire, my desire. And the desire can be foiled, failed by any one of the members of the church. Some of you can rise up and say, we don't want evangelism in this church. Then what will happen to me, my goal? Completely failure. So that is how it works. The goal and the desire. If you understand this, the difference between goal and a desire, goal is within your capacity to do it. It is your responsibility. You will work for it. You have resources. You have power. You, you have determination. And you want to do it. And nobody can stop you. Then when you don't achieve it, you are at fault. But if it's a desire, anybody else can. Let's say a family can have a desire to have peace in the home. Okay? Is bad? It's not bad. We should have peace in the family. But any member of the family can destroy it. Anyone. Child, if you refuse something, can go into a tantrum and you know, pick things up and throw in the house, then the whole thing is disturbed. Wife says we want to have peace. The husband can say something. It's, it's broken. Or husband says let's have peace and the wife, no, I don't want peace today. Gone. <laughs> so those can only be desire. It is not a goal. Because it's not in one person's control. So we need to contribute and we need to all to work together and come to an understanding of what a goal is, what a desire is. So you should have goals. Spiritual goals. And when you have spiritual goals, then you'll also have spiritual solutions. For example, let's say the angel appears to Mary. She was hardly a tender girl, hardly 14, 12, or 16. I don't think she was 20. Very young girl. And the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, Peace be to you. You are going to become a mother. You are going to have a son. And his name is going to be so-and-so. And he is going to be the Messiah. She says, how can these things be possible? How can these things be possible? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. will overshadow you. 
and he will help you to have this. That was the impossible goal. It was the impossible goal, goal for Mary to have a son without marriage, without having a husband. So when you have an impossible goal in your life, you are going to be more depressed unless God gives you strength to overcome it. Are we communicating? So how to identify if you have a problem in life? Number one, when you have a blocked goal, you will have anger. Let's say it. If my, if my goal is blocked, I will get angry. So how to identify in your life whether you are having a blocked goal? You will have anger. You will have anger. Let's say Sunday morning, we want to be here at 9.15 for a service at starting at 9.30. The father says, children, hey, listen, everybody, whole family, tomorrow we are leaving home at 9.15. And you have somebody in the shower at 9.15, still trying to finish the business. And they come out. And the father says, you, I told you yesterday we should be out of the house by 9.15. What happens to the goal? Shattered. So why is that anger expressed by the father? Because his goal is blocked by somebody in the shower at 9.15. So if your goals are blocked, you will become angry. Tell your neighbor, when you're angry, your goal is blocked. So how to identify whether our goals are blocked is when you are having anger coming from inside, you're angry with yourself, you're angry with your uh, wife or husband or children, you're angry with your friends or you're angry with your colleagues, you know that your goals are blocked. Your goals are blocked. And then sit down, calm yourself down and rewrite your goal. Rewrite your goal and make it in such a way that it's easy to accomplish it. Because the factors affecting it from being accomplished, that's why it is causing you anger. So when it is a matter of desire, others can contribute to it and make it fail. If it's a matter of goal, it is within your kind of capacity to fulfill it. So you are having a traffic jam. You want to go to some place and you have a traffic jam. What's the immediate response? Sometimes you're angry. Sometimes you want to blow your horn to, to make the car in front of you move. No, that, is, that is, again, blocked goal. You want to be in a certain meeting at a certain time, and the traffic jam is not helping you. So you get angry. So that is how you know that your goals are blocked. The warning here is, please don't make goals which are properly can be called desires, since anyone can block you from achieving such goal. So whatever goal you are having in your mind, make sure there's no one else is going to stop it from accomplishing it. Then it's your responsibility to fulfill it. So sit down and think about it. Secondly, don't derive your self-worth from such goals. It will leave you defeated, frustrated. When you have a goal that you cannot accomplish it, it's going to bring frustration. You need to be very clear about the goals that you set for yourself. Romans 14.23 says, Everything that does not come from faith is sin. 
Anger is a red flag, red flag of blocked goals. You got an anger coming up in you, you know that your goal is blocked. That's how you identify it. Secondly, uncertain goals stir up anxiety. Let's say it. Uncertain goals stir up anxiety. So if you're anxious, that means you're not having a clear goal, uncertain goal. Think about a student facing the exam. Why is he having, why is he having anxiety? Because it's uncertain goal. He has not done what he needs to do. He didn't go through the previous question papers. He didn't sit down and practice. He didn't read his, didn't read his textbook. He was trying to get answers from ChatGPT or Bing. <laughs> you're not learning your answers. And then you're frustrated. You're not sure. I wish this exam is postponed to next week. You want more time. It's not going to happen. So uncertain goals stir up anxiety. Youth set their goals without reference to parents and end up angry or depressed. Let's say a girl says to uh, the family, I want to go for the dance party. And she knows in her heart that parents are going to say no. Somehow she knows that they're going to say no. Now she goes and tells them, I want to go to the dance party. The father says, what? You're never going to the dance party. So two things will happen. One thing is, she's going to be angry because parents have said no. Or she can be having more anxiety because it is an uncertainty. Because she's, before she asks, it is going to create anxiety because she knows that they're going to say no. It's an uncertain goal. She cannot achieve it. So it creates anxiety in her. She would be angry when she holds it for too long, it leads to depression as well. That's the how you slowly get into a deeper problem. And thirdly, impossible goals lead to depression. Let's say it. Impossible goals lead to depression. So if you say, I am depressed, I am depressed, I am depressed, sit down and think, what is that impossible goal you are pursuing? What is the impossible goal you are pursuing? Because that is what is causing you depression. Some certain goals we should not have is which are involving other people. For example, in a family, the wife was a believer and husband and children were not believers. So she tried praying for them so that they may, know, they may believe in Jesus. So she has done everything possible. She prayed every day, prayed every day, prayed every day, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, nothing was happening. She would invite people to her home. Every visiting preacher she will invite home and give dinner. And that man will enjoy the nice good food, but he cannot convert the husband or the children. What he can do? He can only pray, give some advice, talk to them nicely and go. And she would bring the preachers home just because she will think this preacher is the one who is going to fix my husband. But it's not. <laughs> the husband thinks, he's, I don't need God. I just don't need God. I'm quite happy the way I am. And how is he going to believe in Jesus if she goes on making it her goal? Particularly more difficult is when she thinks, I will be fulfilled. I will be happy. I will be successful. If only my husband and children believe in Jesus. 
that's a wrong goal. Impossible goal. Why is it impossible goal? We can never convert anybody. It's not in our hands. It's the Holy Spirit who does it. It's the Holy Spirit who does it. So if we have a wrong goal, impossible goal, that will lead to depression. So she had chronic depression. And she went to the psychologist. They diagnosed her as endogenous depression. That means you have a cause. You can know the cause. And that is what is causing the depression. Endogenous depression. So we need to know all these kinds of things at some point. I, you may be thinking, why do I need all this? I have the Bible. Why do I need to hear about goals and uh, desires? I am a believer. I am seated with Christ. All things are true. But when we don't sit down and evaluate what we are doing, how we are running our life, it will lead to anger, anxiety, and depression. If these three are there, we have to sit down and evaluate our life and check it. Where have we gone wrong? Where have I gone wrong? That's very, very important. The answer is the one that is going to bring you out of it. Abraham and Sarah, they were not having children. At the age of 75, God says to Abraham, come and follow me. He meets him again after 10, 12 years, 13 years. Again, he talks to him. Again, after another 10 years, he talks to him. After 24 years, he talks to him. Next year, by this time, Sarah is going to have a son. For Abraham and Sarah, it was impossible goal. What was it? Impossible goal. Why is it impossible? Because Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 89, beyond childbearing age. Her womb was dead. Impossible goal. So if they were trying in their strength, it will become impossible for them. It will lead to depression. But when God comes through and says, next year by this time you will have a son, who was laughing? Sarah was laughing. Why was she laughing? Impossible goal. She's telling God, you know it's impossible. Why do you want to give me false hope? She's arguing with God. Why do you want to give me false hope? I don't want to have depression. I don't want to have anxiety about it. It's not just possible. She was just laughing. And the Lord, one of the agents of the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So impossible goals are possible with God. So that is how you correct it. By fixing your faith in Jesus. Can I change my husband? Can I change my wife? Can I change my sons or daughters? It is not in your hand. But God can change. Who can change? God can change. Zachariah and Elizabeth in the New Testament, same thing. They are old, but righteous people. Didn't have children. And the angel appears and says, you are going to have a son. John the Baptist was born. So the solution to impossible problem is to refocus your faith in God whose ability will swallow your inability, whose strength will uh, uh, defeat your weakness, whose power is going to overcome your, your deficiency, and whose glory is going to come through in your, in your shortcomings. And he is able, 
He is able. He's God of signs, wonders, and miracles. And when you refocus your faith upon him, you will be like David again. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You, you look into your past, you praise him, and your strength becomes stronger, and then your faith becomes stronger, and you will overcome the depression. You will not say, God has forgotten me anymore. You will not say, God has forgotten me anymore. That is how you build your strength. Now, some of the research, what the research does is, they, they took some hundreds of people and they divided them to different groups and given, given them some kind of instructions. I'm not going too much into detail, but I'll just read out certain things. Participants with difficult goals achieved greater success than others. When the goal was very difficult, they put more effort and they were successful. So what kind of goal you have? And what kind of commitment you have to re realize that goal in your life? Secondly, participants with higher self-esteem did better than better on task accomplishments. If you have greater self-knowledge and you say, I have got self-confidence, I know I'm strong, I know I'm intelligent, I know I have the ability to fix any problem, and I am going to go after this problem, get it fixed. And with self-high esteem, they were able to succeed better than the other people. Then participants with greater understanding of why the goal was necessary for them had more chance of being successful with the target plans. You got a goal and you need to have small plans to achieve it. And when you know why you have written the goal, you are likely to achieve it. You are likely to achieve it. But what has happened was a fifth group. This group was well, had well-defined goals and plans of action. Then said these to a supportive friend. They shared their goals with someone. They became accountable to someone, reporting to them weekly basis, monthly basis. And this is how much I have accomplished my goal. These are my plans. Plan I have five plans. Plan one is done. And that person will encourage you. And then you work on it again. And you report back again. I have step two I have finished. And step three I have finished. Those who had goals, very difficult, but defined, well-defined, has action plan, but a person to report, they did better than anyone else in the whole group. So what does it mean? It means you need fellowship. You need responsible fellowship. You need to have somebody to whom you can be accountable. Somebody to whom you are accountable. And once you have all these things in place, you are going to do much better than anyone else in, in the whole thing. So you should have a goal, not a desire. And after you have a goal, you must have a plan to achieve it. And make sure that your goals are not easily blocked. Make sure that the goals are not... Uh, what's the second one? Uncertain. Because uncertain goals will create anxiety. And make sure they are not impossible. Because if it's too impossible, then you are going to be depressed. So you have to sit down and evaluate your life. And you can listen to me today and forget it this afternoon. I 100% assure you, it will happen. Unless you sit down again and really re-listen on the podcast and write down what you want to do and where things are. Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you having anxiety? Are you having depression? What, what is the cause? What is your goal? Who is frustrating it? Who is not cooperating? Once you sit down and analyze it, you will be a better person in the night before you hit the bed. You will be able to praise God like King David did. 
you will not be depressed. You will not be anxious. You will not be angry anymore. Why? You will know where the problem is and fix it on the right person. You are not responsible for it. Then you know you know, don't need to be blamed about it. You don't need to take the blame when you are not responsible for it. So it will help you to change your life more. The key word is accountability in the great success of our own life. Then the last point I want to say is, it's easy. You go to a counselor, you sit with somebody, they will set goals for you. They will help you to write goals and all that. But you will not be success. There are two categories of people. Those who have intrinsic motivation and those who have eccentric motivation. That means you need people cheering you all the time, clapping, go, 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 and it is going to help you to achieve it. But there's one category, intrinsic motivation. You have it within you to achieve it. You will commit yourself to your goal, and you are determined to become a success. You are determined to be a happy person. You are determined to be a peaceful person. You are determined to be having no anxiety. You want to achieve it. You are going to do it. When the motivation comes from within, I can tell a, I can tell a young man, you need to get 80% marks, 90% marks. Extrinsic, I am pushing it upon him. No good. But if a student says, I want to get A plus, and he is the one who is motivated, who is going to stop him from getting it? No one. No one. I know in our church we have a lot of young people. Don't forget this talk this morning. Keep listening to it. And sit down and make a plan for your life. Why? It has to come from within. Everybody say it has to come from within. I can say you have to study, you will not study. I can say you must get a job, you will not get a job. I can say you have to go do this, 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 you will not do it. But when it comes from within, it is going to happen. I remember when I was in high school, I was sick for a few days and did not go to school two or three days. And the day I turned up, there was a math test. Math was my strength. But I missed out on what he taught those three days, and there was a test on what he, was, what he taught. So I did very bad. And must have got only 20 out of 100 or something. So I was sitting there in one of the rows in that class, in one of the benches, and I was telling the guy who is next to me, next time I will get maximum marks. And the teacher was sitting far away. He heard me say that. He looked at me and said, Yes, 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 yes. You will do it. You will do it. Sarcastically. But I came first in school. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is, you need to get it from within. No one told me I had to excel. No one told me I had to excel. I said I must excel. Why? My future depends on excelling. My future depends on doing well. And when I decide it, no one can stop me. No one can stop me. And ultimately what Paul says in Romans chapter 14 verse 23 is, anything that comes which is not of faith is sin. You need to have your faith in Jesus and let the faith in Jesus help you to write your own goals. 
and when you write your own goals you are only the one who is going to achieve it your father is not responsible mother is not responsible your brother is not responsible sister is not responsible you are responsible for the goal of your own life and for us who are grown up we have our own issues maintaining peace at home at work excelling in what we are doing and bring glory to god so faith will be frustrated when it doesn't have goals faith will be frustrated when it is blocked our goals are blocked uh, we are going to be angry when it's unrealistic uh, is going to be causing un- uh, uncertain goals are going to cause anxiety and completely impossible ones are going to drive us to depression so this we don't understand this is little 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 things when we understand your life becomes entirely entirely transformed from inside out you become a new person you will become a new person i tell you if you say at the end of the day this morning i went and sat in the church it did me nothing and you not heard what i said this morning but before you hit the bed you say no i need to sit down even if you don't do it today you say i need to sit down it is from within it's coming from within i need to fix my life you will do it within one week's time you will listen again on the podcast you will take your paper and pencil you will sit down and evaluate what things are blocked why you are angry why are you having anxiety why are you having depression you will analyze your problem and i tell you the church is here to support each other you find somebody with whom you can confide take a time with them let's meet for coffee let's meet for breakfast or something at dinner and sit down and talk to them and make yourself accountable to them sit and talk what kind of goals you want to write down for yourself your life will change your life will change from this small group of few people there may be a bill gates here or a elon musk i don't know who it is but you the way you are going to write down your goals after you listen this morning you will be on the top of the world simple things can change life shall we pray thank you jesus reha shaktaro raboroni manasandaro sara shaktari shaktakuroni bori shakaro rohori mara sandara sarano kara shaktare sirese kireni rori ka sandara saboroni shabarastakuroni the lord says success will come like a roaring lion will pursue you if you only you will come to me and obey me be trust in me and give yourself to me it is not your efforts that are going to do things is my spirit says a lot but at the same time he doesn't say you will not work hard for it you will have to work hard for it as the holy spirit gives you strength enables you empowers you drives you he will put you on the top of the ladder of success rakta sara ke sendere barano shamarana sakto rahase kere severene the lord jesus shed his powerful blood upon the cross not to make you a failure the lord says i did not die to make you a failure i died to make you a success i have died on the cross to make you a success as surely as i have died for you on the cross shed my powerful blood not only to forgive you but to bless you and to make you as a vessel of honor for my own glory says the lord 
రబోరి శక్తులోని సందకరస్తో భారశక్తో శవరోని రహరే కానమాసాందరను రొష్షోరే శక్తిరే భాస్తోకరోని రిహనమాసాందరను లెట్ వాట్ యు డిసైడ్ కమ్ ఫ్రమ్ విదిన్ సేస్ ద లాడ్ యు డిసైడ్ అండ్ ఐ విల్ బ్లెస్ ఇట్ you decide what what you want to do with your life i will bless it says the lord this morning we praise you god for encouraging your children and myself and thank you for this word we praise you we worship you we honor you bless them abundantly and change their life make their life stories of success to the glory of your name in jesus name we have asked amen amen so it's time for us to partake in the communion <coughs> this morning Yeah, as you partake in the communion, I want you to have certain things in mind. One, and when you partake in the communion, you are partaking in the victory of Christ. Every, everybody say, I partake in the victory of Christ. You are not partaking in your failures. You are partaking in the victory of Christ. In His power, in His glory, in His strength, you are partaking it. And He has made a covenant with you. just imagine christ sitting across to you and saying this is my body broken for you eat it in remembrance of me this is the blood that i shed for you drink it in remembrance of me take it from the hand of christ in your mind and take and eat that body and the blood of christ you will partake in his victory not in defeat because that's the covenant he made with you covenant for breakthrough covenant for blessing covenant for health covenant for um, whatever you are looking for it is possible because he has paid for it all already so i'll read from 1 corinthians chapter He says in uh, chapter 11 verse 23 for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes now that last word you proclaim the lord's death until he comes is very important every time you are partaking in the communion you are declaring jesus died and whenever you are t- taking part in and declaring that jesus died you are declaring that satan is defeated has anybody heard what i said when you declare jesus died upon the cross you are declaring that satan is defeated in this building we have got a problem we have been here for 3 years but still we see we are not crossed much we should be filling this hall and this place should be overflowing with people but we are not doing that anymore why we are having opposition to what we are doing here the force of darkness particularly the spirit of freemasonry today as you partake in the communion you say lord we are partaking in the victory not in defeat and the force of darkness cannot prevail against it and I command the spirit of freemasonry to be destroyed that we will flourish in this place that will grow in numbers nobody can stop it secondly as you partake in the communion 
whatever is holding you whatever is holding you or whatever is blocking your goal whatever is making you think you know is a unreal i mean unrealistic goal unachievable goal or impossible goal go after it in the strength of jesus christ of nazareth you say lord i i feed on as i feed on your body and drink your blood i am receiving your strength to grapple my goals i am going to take them you are going to take the bull by its horn and you are prepared for it you are going to grapple with it you are going to defeat it whatever is stopping you from receiving the blessing of god you are going to topple it you are going to put it under your feet and trample it down don't just eat a piece of bread and little bit of juice no you are partaking in the very life of christ as you eat his body and drink his blood you are partaking in his life of christ and let that life flow through your veins as one of the songs was saying today let his power flow through your veins it is by faith so we have the table here though you can come and take a piece of bread and take a cup and go back to your seat we'll partake together all of us feel free this is for the children of god you are entered the covenant with christ partaking in his body and the blood is your right come and partake in it thank you jesus shara ka bara namakrasta kuru rika sandaranu re hara bara namandrasta kuru shabrasta kuru praise jesus rehavandra sabrastakuru praise you lord thank you for your sacrifice thank you for your mercy thank you for your grace thank you for your strength thank you for your glory we praise you we praise you we praise you this morning help us to partake in your body and the blood meaningfully the situation that is challenging be transformed by the power of the holy ghost that unrealistic goal be transformed by the power of the holy ghost let that block goal be completely submiss submit to the name of jesus the name of jesus let peace come into our hearts and our minds as we partake in your body and the blood thank you jesus for your great sacrifice we praise you we praise you we praise you we praise you thank you jesus thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Reha Shaktaroni, Mahasarastakuroni, Rahori Barana Sandarastakuroni. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you again for your broken body. Father, we partake in it. Let your life flow into us the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Let's partake. We thank you again for the precious blood you shed upon the cross. As we partake in it, let your life and your glory flow into us. That barrenness, go. That fruitlessness, go. Sickness, go. Death, go. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord for the powerful blood you shed for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake in it. Let's thank the Lord. Jesus, we thank you 
Yehovah Shiva we praise you we thank you because you have made this provision for us to commune with you to fellowship with you and to be strengthened by partaking in your body and the blood we thank you for the privilege you have given us holy spirit come with power upon us stir us up the anointing you put within us to accomplish your heart's desire in our lives let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven to the glory of your name we thank you for the privilege of partaking in your body and the blood bless your children this morning to become more fruitful to the glory of your name thank you lord in jesus mighty name we ask amen 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 thanks for joining us at omega if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough or simply to find out more please head to our website or facebook page in the links below